0: Well, today I want to talk to you about a subject that you might not expect to hear addressed in a Sunday sermon. And no, it's not because it's controversial or risque or something like that. It's just that when today's subject is usually addressed, it's almost always in the context of business or leadership development. In other words, today's topic is something that you would probably expect to hear About in a TED talk or read about in a business book or maybe a self help book rather than in a sermon on Sunday morning. But make no mistake about it today's subject is profoundly spiritual. Not only that, today's topic has the power to bolster and transform everything from our professional lives to our relationships. And hey, it can even catalyze our evangelism. But at the same time, if we neglect to tend to today's topic, we'll go through life in a fixed state of frustration and needless aggravation. And I know you don't want to go through life like that. I certainly don't want to either. So for today, we're going to take some time and we're going to consider what God's word has to say about follow through. Now, the term integrity has been defined in the following way, and I really like this definition. Integrity is doing what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. It's pretty short and sweet, isn't it? Integrity is doing what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. And when we talk about follow-through this morning, that is exactly what you should have in mind. Follow through is all about making good on our promises, making good on our word, keeping our commitments, and doing everything within our power to bring something to completion if we have said that we are going to do so. Before we go too much further this morning, I just want to acknowledge that for some of you, hearing that our message is going to be on the topic of follow through is probably about as appealing as eating sand for you. I mean, let's be honest. There are those of you that are out there online or in the sanctuary that when you hear we're going to be talking about follow-through, you think to yourself, my goodness, isn't this some annoying type A personality kind of thing? Isn't this something for overachievers, for managers, for people in business, for entrepreneurs and leadership? Maybe that's not you. Maybe you're not that strong in your opposition to hearing a message on follow-through, but maybe you think to yourself, surely this isn't that spiritual Sure, follow through is something we should aim for. Maybe it's a great aspiration, but really we're gonna take a Sunday morning and talk about follow through. It just really is not something that's all that spiritual or important to God. Well, hey, if that's you, glad that you're here with us today, glad that you're joining online, but I wanna invite you to consider what God's word has to say about this business of keeping our word and following through. I want you to consider in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 17. There we read this There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. In other words, here's a list of seven things that God really despises. And here we have the first three in the beginning of verse 17. Here are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Top of the list, haughty eyes, would not have expected that to be there probably, but an arrogant look, walking around with your nose up in the air, looking down on others, that is the number one thing on God's list here that he says he absolutely hates and despises. Number two in the text, we read, here's another thing God absolutely hates, a lying tongue. When we say we're going to do something, And we have the time and the power, but we simply don't follow through. God says when you do that, it's something I absolutely detest. Look at what's third in that passage, if you will, because I think this helps set this up very well for us this morning. What does God hate? Three of the seven things God hates. He hates a haughty look. He hates lying lips or a lying tongue. And number three, hands that shed innocent blood. For God, when he's listing some of the things he absolutely hates, he puts an arrogant, haughty look and lying lips on the same level as hands that shed innocent blood. Further on in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22, we see God hates lying there as well. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22, catch this now, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. But those who act faithfully are his delight. Now, when you think about things that might be an abomination to God, I think for most of us, a lying tongue or lying lips are probably not on that list. But in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22, God says, I hate lying. It is an abomination. And as we just saw in Proverbs chapter 6, he's putting it on his top seven most hated things list. Right alongside hands that shed innocent blood. Well, what about in the Book of Psalms, chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, and then a part of verse 4? In this passage, we read what are the traits and the attributes God is looking for in those men and women and children that worship Him. What kind of worship does He accept? Does He accept? Who is He looking for to come to His temple and to worship Him? Psalm chapter 15, verses 1, 2, and a portion of verse 4 says this, Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts, and catch this final phrase, who keep their promises even when it hurts. I wonder this morning, does that describe you in the way you conduct your life? Are you someone who keeps your promises no matter what? Doesn't matter how annoying it is. Doesn't matter how inconvenient it is. It doesn't matter how unpleasant or time-consuming or expensive it is. If you have made the commitment to do it, you're going to follow through. Does that describe you this morning? Well, a 2011 Huffington Post article wrote about how good Americans are at keeping their promises, how successful Americans felt they were at following through on their commitments and keeping their promises to others. And here is something fascinating that just shocked me when I read this article. According to this Huffington Post article, back in 2011, 65% of Americans claimed that they were excellent at keeping their promises. Give me a break. 65%? How is it possible that 65% of those that were polled claimed that they were excellent when it came to following through and keeping their promises. What world are these people living in? I would kill to live in a world where 65%, almost 7 out of 10 people, kept their promises and followed through on the commitments they made to me. But there's no way, in my view, it's 65%. In fact, let's have a little bit of fun this morning. In just a minute, I want to ask you to raise your hand at the appropriate time, and I'm going to ask you all, Grace Fellowship, what percentage of people that you interact with would you say are excellent at follow through? They're just known for doing what they say they're going to do when they say they are going to do it. And I'm going to start with the high percentage and kind of work my way down. And when I ask the question, if you agree with that percentage, simply raise your hand at that time. But before you raise your hand in response to my question, take a few moments, think about the past week, think about the past month, think about the past three months, and just think about all the people you've interacted with. Think about the businesses that you have done business with. Think about the fast food restaurants you have frequented. Think about the doctor's offices, the bankers, the attorneys. Hey, think about this the politicians you voted for. You know, the ones that campaign on all these great promises when they get elected, how great are they on follow through? Think about landlords, think about tenants, think about bosses, think about employees. And finally, think about your friends, neighbors, co workers, and family. And now let me ask you what percentage of those people do you think are excellent at keeping their word and following through? I wanna see a show of hands here. If you believe 90% of the people in your world, in your life, are excellent at keeping their word, can you raise your hand for me, please? Okay, no one's raising their hand for 90. How about 75%? 75% of the people in your world, in your life, are excellent at follow through. If that applies to you, raise your hand. See one here, one here. I wanna know who you do business with. I wanna know your friends and family, and I wanna get in on that circle. Let's go a little lower, 50%. How many of you would say 50% of the people in your life are excellent at follow through? Seeing a few more hands Well, we can keep whittling it down this morning if we wanted to. I'll just share with you my perspective on this. If I had to put a number on it, I would say it's something like 10 to 12, maybe 15% of the people in my life would I give the rating of A, excellent, when it comes to follow through. But regardless of how you would kind of grade that, we can all see people stink at follow through. I mean, they're pretty lousy at follow through. I was reminded of that just a few weeks ago. There was a woman in our church that was going to have open heart surgery. She was telling me about when the appointment was set because I was going to go visit her after the operation. And her operation was postponed two different times from the doctor's office the first time due to a scheduling conflict, and the second time due to someone being on vacation in the doctor's office. It's open heart surgery. And they're not following through. Unless you think I'm picking on doctors, let's be honest, we patients are awful at follow through as well. That's why they have all these goofy signs and policies up about cancellations because we make appointments and then we get better and we're like, I don't need to go to that thing. So you just don't go. We all are pretty lousy when it comes to follow through. It's just a besetting sin in our country and in our culture. But would you believe me if I told you there are actually a few upsides to living in a country where so many of us are terrible at follow-through? To be sure, I know it's frustrating, isn't it? It's irritating to have to scramble and have all this chaos enter your life because some business, some friends, some coworker failed to follow through. I fully acknowledge that, but while it is a headache, There are some awesome opportunities with great promise out there for those of us who live in this culture and swim in these streams with all these men and women that are so lousy at follow-through. As John Adams once said, every challenge is an opportunity in disguise. And I believe living in a culture that is so poor at follow-through, while it's frustrating and has its downsides, it certainly has some upsides as well. I'll just name a couple. One upside to living in a culture that is so poor at follow through is this. There are huge upsides when it comes to your professional development and trajectory. There's big upsides when it comes to your work life. Most of us in this room are working age. Maybe some of you have just entered into that world. Maybe some of you are approaching retirement. Surely some of you are retired. But for those of us that are working, think about the upsides of living in a world where everyone stinks at follow through. I guarantee your coworkers are lousy at follow through. Those men and women on your project, most of them are probably pretty sorry. And the good news that comes with that is if you're like halfway decent at follow through, you are going to absolutely annihilate them. You're going to destroy them. You're going to lap your competition because your competition stinks. I don't care what field you're in. I don't care if it's blue collar or white collar. Janice down in accounting's probably pretty bad at follow through. And so if you're good at follow through, if you grow in the skill of follow through, think about what that's going to do to just catapult your professional trajectory. Think about what that's going to do to just put you on the fast track, because compared to your peers, you're going to stand out for all the right reasons. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 26, 26 says this, like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who send him. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, not very pleasant, so is the sluggard, the lazy person, the non-diligent person, the person that stinks at follow through to those who send him. Proverbs 25, verse 19, a similar idea is found there. Putting confidence in an unreliable person in times of trouble is like chewing with a broken tooth or walking on a lame foot. Grace Fellowship, your coworkers probably are pretty poor, for the most part, at follow-through. And the bosses and the business owners and the managers that you work for They know this all too well. And so if you show yourself to be someone who's not a sluggard, who's diligent, who can meet a deadline, who can stay under budget, who can do what they say they're going to do, when they say they're going to do it, you're going to stick out for all the right reasons and absolutely lap your competition. By the way, this also applies to business owners as well. Think about your competition that's out there in the marketplace. I'm going to venture a guess and say they're probably pretty poor at follow through. Again, what an awesome opportunity for you to stand out, help your word of mouth business, help your repeat customers, and help your reputation flourish by doing something as simple and cheap and easy as following through on your word came across a quote about a year and a half ago that I absolutely loved about Christians doing business. Here's the quote. The Christian shoemaker does not do his duty by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. There's some good news about being in a culture that's poor at follow through. Should be very easy for you to lap the competition and excel in your professional life. But here's another upside I want you to consider this morning as well. That is, this there are spiritual upsides to living in a culture that is so poor at follow through. Consider the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. There, Jesus talks about the intended effect that his disciples should have on the world. Jesus says this to his disciples, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. Jesus wants his followers to have these kinds of works that are so good that they draw the non-Christians around us In for all the right reasons. You know, if we're being honest this morning, if you're going to follow Christ seriously, you're going to adopt certain beliefs and certain practices that are going to be highly offensive to the world around you. That just comes with the territory. But according to Jesus, there are other kinds of works that we should be doing that we're called to do that are good works that will capture the attention of the world around us for all the right reasons. Interesting little note about that short verse when Jesus says, let your good works draw people in. The Greek word for good there doesn't just mean superior or morally good or upright. It does contain that idea But within the range of meaning of that word, it also contains the idea of something beautiful and attractive. And when we think about follow through, imagine what it might do to endear us to our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, and to raise the reputation of Jesus if we get more consistent and reliable with follow through. In the 16th century, there was a group of French people known as the Huguenots. The Huguenots were some French Protestant Christians that were known as these sort of artisan craftsmen that had a wonderful reputation in the society as a whole. In fact, there was a saying in the greater culture that endured for decades, and that saying was as honest as a Huguenot. You see, those Christ followers in their business and in their speech and in their follow-through had such a reputation that set them apart for all the right reasons that even non-Christians would say, oh, Al, he is absolutely as honest as a Huguenot. Imagine what would happen in the Capital District if all the Christ followers in their business and in their social lives grew in follow-through. What might that do? to rise above the world around us for all the right reasons so far this morning we've we've already seen that god commands us to follow through and keep our word hopefully i've demonstrated to you there are professional upsides to keeping our word and following through and hopefully, you see, there's even evangelistic upsides, reasons why Christ followers should want to grow and follow through because it helps us beautify and adorn the gospel. But while there are many benefits to follow through, if we're being honest, all of us, at least in some areas and to some extent, really struggle with following through. Why is that? Why is something as simple and profitable as follow-through, so difficult to be consistent with. Well, according to that Huffington Post article I mentioned earlier, when men fail to keep their promises, when men fail to follow through, they usually blame it on one of two things. They either say they didn't have enough time, they blame it on their schedule, or, this is going to shock you women, they blame it on forgetfulness, that they forgot to do something when men fail to follow through, they blame it on being too busy, or my schedule got away from me, or they simply forgot. In that same Huffington Post article, when it came to women, when they failed to keep their promises, they generally attributed that to financial reasons. Something wasn't in the budget or something like that. Budgets, time, time. And forgetfulness. I mean, that pretty well covers the lame excuses we give other people and they give to us when we fail to follow through. But the good news this morning is that God's word has much to say about how we can overcome the limitations placed by our calendar, our poor memories, and our budgets. And so, for the rest of our time together, I simply want to share with you three practical ways I believe we can all grow in follow through. We're going to look at three strategies for improving our following through. The first is this what's a way we can grow in follow through? Simple avoid procrastination. Avoid procrastination. In Deuteronomy chapter 23 and 21 and 23 of that chapter, we read about making vows to God, and it says this, if you make a vow to the Lord your God, catch this now, you shall not delay in fulfilling it, for the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. You shall be careful to do what has passed through your lips Similarly, in the book of Ecclesiastes, we read about vows made to God. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 4 says, When you vow a vow to God, don't delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. Simply put, one very easy, doable way we can grow and follow through is to avoid procrastination. As the old saying goes, don't put off until tomorrow what you can do today. What are those things in your mind right now that you need to follow through on that you can do in five minutes, 10 minutes, or maybe by the end of the day? I would encourage you to avoid procrastination because when we let that all pile up, that's when we find ourselves with not enough time to make good on our word a second strategy for improving our follow-through is this. Hear me this morning. We need to resist the urge to commit prematurely. Resist the urge to commit prematurely. James chapter 1, verse 19 says this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all, that is all of us, be quick to listen, but catch this now, but slow to speak. Similarly, in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 25, we read this, don't trap yourselves by making a rash promise to God and only later counting the cost. You know, some of us are more accommodating by nature than others. Some of us have a really difficult time telling someone no. Some of us have a really difficult time telling some people yes. A lot of that is personality and just different things in our upbringing But my suspicion is for all of us, no matter how natural or difficult it is for us to tell someone no, there are times when we're just tempted to let that yes get squeezed out of us. We just feel the pressure of it. We want to make the boss happy, the coworker happy, the neighbor happy, the relative happy, the spouse happy, the children happy, the parents happy, whatever. We're presented with a request, and instead of saying, I'll need to consider that, We don't resist the urge, and we just commit prematurely. You know, I had a woman after the nine o'clock service stop me and talk to me about this point, and she put this point in some different terms that I thought were kind of colorful and funny. She said, more two-letter words and less three-letter words will prevent you from saying too many four-letter words. There's nothing wrong when we're asked to do something with saying, I'll have to check my calendar. I'll get back with you. But then we actually do need to get back to them with a yes or with a no. Said differently, Christ followers should not let our lips write checks that our lives and calendars cannot cash. Finally this morning, Another strategy, our third and final strategy that we can adopt in order to grow and follow through is simply this. Have the humility to adopt a system. Have the humility to adopt a system. In the book of 2 Kings, there is a Syrian general by the name of Naaman. And Naaman was this very high status, respected military general, and he contracted a very serious debilitating skin disease. And so Naaman naturally was searching for some cures when someone said, you should go see this Hebrew prophet named Elisha. He can work miracles. Maybe he can heal you. So Naaman thinks to himself, what do I got to lose? I'm gonna go visit Elisha. Naaman goes to Elisha's home, but before he can get to the door, Elisha sends a messenger out to Naaman and says, hey, I know why you're here. You wanna be healed of this leprosy. Here's what you need to do. You need to go in this dumpy little Jordan River nearby and dunk yourself in the water. And then when you do that, you will be healed. Well, naturally, Naaman, being a prideful man, being high status, took great offense at this. First of all, he was upset Elisha didn't come speak to him face to face, but only sent a messenger. But then he was upset at the silly instructions he received. Naaman thought to himself, well, if I need to dunk myself in water, why not do it in the rivers where I'm from? They're much more glorious and beautiful than this sorry little Jordan River. So he wasn't going to do it. But one of his servants spoke up and said, Naaman, in essence, this is what they said to Naaman, Naaman, if Elisha would have said, you need to climb the highest mountain, you need to fight the biggest giant, You need to swim the largest sea in order to be healed. If Elisha would have said that, you would have signed up because there's glory in it for you, and it strokes your ego. Naaman, the whole reason you're not doing this is because it's humbling. There's no glory in it for you, but what if it works? So Naaman came to his senses. He went to the Jordan River. He entered it, and he came out as clean as a baby. His skin disease was instantly cured. You know, I think for many of us, in many areas of our lives, at least this is true for me, sometimes what's getting in the way of my success is not that something's too expensive or too difficult or I'm not smart enough to do it. It's just I'm too proud to take the counsel I've been given And boy, that can so be the case when it comes to follow through because some of the systems I'm gonna share with you in just a moment seem so insulting to our intelligence. They seem so insulting to our sense of being a responsible, mature, accomplished person. But I'm telling you, when you look out at the world and you see people that are excellent at follow through, they might not have some of these systems, but they have systems in place that are enabling them to be consistent in following through and doing what they say they're going to do when they say they're going to do it. So here are a few examples of systems for your consideration this morning. Walk around with a little notepad and a pen. When you do that and someone asks you to do something or something pops in your mind that you need to get done that you committed to doing, you can write that down. Write a note and carry a notepad around with you. Or I do this sometimes, write it on your hand. Grab some sticky notes, put them in the the passenger side of the car. When you think of things, jot it down. Don't kill anyone on the interstate when you do this. Certainly don't sue me if you do, but jot down your little note and slap that on your dashboard there. Write things down. It's unbelievably helpful when it comes to remembering things and following through. You know, we often think of the brain as the organ of our memory. Grace Fellowship, I can tell you, beyond the shadow of a doubt, it's not your brain that's the organ of memory. It's this right here. When you write things down, I don't know what happens, but it just has a way of imprinting itself on your mind. So I would encourage you to write things down, carry a notepad, write things on your hand, do what you have to do. It's amazing how helpful that can be with follow through. I worked with a minister once who had this habit that I thought was peculiar at first and realized how brilliant it is. You know what he did? He would take important papers or things he needed to get done by the end of the day and he would set those near the entranceway of his office. So if this is how he would leave his office to go get a cup of coffee or to go to the restroom or to go to an appointment, right here he would have eight and a half by 11 papers stacked with whatever he needed to do. And this helped him have this visual cue. Every time he left his office, I got to get that done by the end of the day. It was a system that helped him grow in follow through. Maybe no matter how much I sell it to you this morning, you're not going to write things down. Maybe that seems like some boomer stuff that you don't want to be doing. Hey, that's cool. At least take advantage of your smartphone. Take advantage of the calendar on your phone, Siri. Take advantage of Alexa. Do we really have an excuse for forgetting things in this day and age? You literally tell a device to remind you, and yet we still don't do things and say, I forgot. Utilize your smartphone calendar, Alexa, Siri, whatever it is. It'll help you be much more consistent when it comes to follow through maybe you're schizophrenic like me and you do this, I email myself reminders and text myself reminders. I have a long-going text chain with myself of reminders. It's crazy, but it's helped me grow a little bit in the area of following through. Finally, for your consideration this morning, here's another idea I would highly, highly recommend. When you have a deadline, whether it's for work or personally, it's an anniversary, it's a birthday, it's tax-related, doesn't really matter what it is. When you have an important deadline, put it on your calendar, but don't put it on the actual deadline. Back it up about five days or seven days. Give yourself an artificially early deadline. That way, when life happens, and it will, by the way, you've got some buffer there. You've got a few more days that you can kind of make sure that you stay ahead of it and you don't fail to follow through. Whatever you do, I would urge you to have the humility to embrace some systems into your life. You will be amazed at how helpful they prove to be. Well, Grace Fellowship, as we read earlier, the righteous man, the righteous woman, that is the person who keeps their promises even when it hurts That's who God is looking for to worship him, the righteous man and the righteous woman who doesn't just keep their promises when it's convenient or easy or cheap. No, those who keep their promises even to their own harm, even when it hurts. And if we neglect the importance of follow through in our lives, I'm telling you, you're signing up for a life of frustration and needless aggravation and walking through life with egg on your face. But if we have the humility to adopt some of these systems, if we learn to resist the urge to commit prematurely, if we learn what it means to be thoughtful before we answer, And it's unbelievable to think about what we might be able to do collectively with the reputation of Christ in the capital region. Let's grow in follow through. It's good for your personal life. It's good for your relationships. But above all else, it's good for adorning the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the practical portions of your word And today would certainly be an example of that. God, I thank you for them because they make it pretty straightforward and pretty clear. But at the same time, there's a temptation to disregard them as not spiritual. God, would you help us see how seriously you take this matter of lying with our lips, of failing to follow through and not keeping our oaths? God, would you help us to have an honest assessment, not to feel like a worm, but just to know how we really are. Would you help us know how we're doing as individuals with follow through? Perhaps there's areas in our lives where we're doing well, but there's likely areas where we're not so consistent. God, would you reveal those by your Holy Spirit today? And Father, I ask that you would help us know what you would have us do in response to this message. Do we need to follow through on forgiving someone? Do we need to follow through when it comes to some commitment we've made to our spouse, our children, our parents? Do we need to follow through on bringing those baked goods to those new neighbors that came in that we just haven't made a priority yet? Do we need to make good on our commitment to keep our oaths that we exchanged on our wedding day? Lord, whatever it is, Help us know where you would have us take our next step of obedience. Light a fire under us and help us reap the benefits for you and in our personal lives that come with follow through. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.